0: Well we're back everyone. I'm so happy to be sharing another amazing episode of National Board Conversations with you. This is episode six. I have Sharif El-Meki here with me. He's an incredible veteran of the education profession in America. He is an inspiring teacher, motivational figure, and just all around interesting guy. We had a fascinating conversation focused a lot around equity and inclusion, about empowering people of color and teachers of ethnically diverse backgrounds to really become those pillars for their community, for their students, and to also make a reciprocal experience for their students so that not only is a student learning from the teacher, but the teacher is learning from the student. I was really, really happy to talk to Sharif, and I'm so excited to share this episode with you. So without further ado, here is Sharif el Hey Sharif,
1: how are you? Good, great to be here. How's everything? Oh, good,
0: good. We're doing great. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So thanks for, for joining us. My pleasure. Tell the audience about yourself. Why don't you introduce yourself, tell us about who you are and just a the little kind of logline thesis statement of, of Sharif.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. So my name is Sharif Almekki I'm the CEO of the Center for Black Educated Development. I was a teacher and principal for 26 years, all in uh, three schools across West Philadelphia. And how did you get into teaching? What made you want to become a teacher? Yeah, you know, I I really think, you know, as I reflect on my early years, uh, several of my teachers, you know, um, as well as my mother and cousins who were uh, also educators, you know, I, th- I think they planted the seeds young, even though it wasn't explicitly, you know, discussed like, hey, you should consider becoming a teacher. Only person that did that was my martial arts teacher, who was uh, actually my favorite black man, uh, uh, black male educator it was born to uh, two parents who were activists, they were part of the Black Panther Party, and so we were raised in a, in a household that really you know, supported us in, in looking at justice, looking at different perspectives and, and views of what the quality of life could be, uh, what, what equity and justice could be. I attended an elementary school that was a freedom school that was started by black activists called Netan Musasa. Um, and I think it really just laid a, a foundation for me between home and school. Just I was committed to activism growing up, even though I wasn't sure where exactly that was going to be. I thought I would eventually end up as a lawyer. I think, you know, one of the things that I I recognized that was really pointed out to me but was uh, Dr. Martin Ryder, a black man who. You know, met with a group of us to consider becoming teachers. Uh, he was in partnership with uh, the school district of Philadelphia, where he worked, and an organization called Concerned Black Men and Cheney University, the first HBCU, historically black college and university. Uh, they were creating a partnership to get more black men to teach, and so it was an alternative certification program. I had recently graduated from uh, Indiana University of Pennsylvania in Western Pennsylvania, and. You know what? When I went to the meeting, initially I wasn't interested. You know, a friend's um a friend's mother called me. Mama Cynthia told me about the program. Uh, I promised I would go uh to at least visit, but I was very skeptical as if, you know, about this opportunity and if it was the right fit for me. But going to the meeting, seeing all these brothers there, seeing um hearing Dr. Martin Ryder and some other educators. I was intrigued, like, you know what, this might be what I was looking for my entire life, you know, even though it was a very young life at the time, you know, how now 27 years later, I am so grateful that Mama Cynthia called and Dr. Martin Ryder and uh, the team that he'd worked with Uh, had this opportunity for brothers like me.
0: Why is it important to empower Black men to teach? Why was Dr. Martin Ryder out there talking to you about this?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think it's always been important for, you know, Black men to participate in the education of our children. You know, Black men do it informally in so many ways, you know, coaching, mentoring, in the barbershop, whispering in the kid's ear, encouraging them, you know, all of those spaces that you find Black people, you'll find black men and women, but you know, we're talking about black men right now who are mentoring, supporting uh, black children and each other. And so I, I think that often gets lost. That the schools become a space where you don't find as many black men, uh, even though that their their mentorship, their voice, their guidance, their experiences are so crucial, so important in, in a, a children's upbringing but you often don't find them in schools. You know, they're not encouraged to, to be in schools. When they're in schools, they are often looked at as disciplinarians and not, um, not true educators. And so I, I think it's really important for our students, uh, particularly black boys, to be able to engage and interact with black leaders uh, in schools that are usually overwhelmingly filled and led by white women. And so I, I think across the United States of America, only two percent of public school teachers are black men. Um, so the lack of diversity overall, um, and particularly acutely for uh, black men, uh, I think is a is a disservice to all children, um, including white children who need to see a diverse group of educators and leaders in their schools.
0: Right. Yeah. So the, yeah, the need for proportionate representation is 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 huge. Have you seen? It changing over the years, if you looking back on it, or what's your take on that?
1: You know, I I think nationally, no. I think it's stuck. I think it'll need a massive intervention, Uh, and so I've seen, you know, in Philadelphia... I remember a couple of years ago the you know, while about four percent were black men um, who were teachers in the city, the recent crop of new teachers in, in twenty eighteen, seven uh, percent of the new teachers were black men. So they had almost doubled the incoming class, which is uh you know, just a, a, a positive you know a uh, trend and we have to double down and build on build on that fortunately our leadership at pennsylvania department of ed that started with uh, secretary pedro rivera and now dr noe ortega was the aspire to educate program this aspiring to educate initiative basically supports diversifying the teacher workforce improving the teacher workforce and there's a consortium of ihe's nonprofits like themselves, teacher certification programs, the school district, all working in unison to, to try to right the ship to improve educational equity and justice by ensuring a more diverse uh, teacher workforce. So I'm encouraged. This is still a long ways to go. There's not even a, a, a moment to celebrate uh, any you know small wins, but I do think we should give a nod, a, a handshake, a high five and a hug and, and then get right back to work.
0: What can teachers do to make sure that they are offering an equitable experience to their students? That they make their classroom a, an open space. That they're mindful of all their students, their communities, and cultures that surround them. What, what kind of things can teachers be doing?
1: It's hard to know, like you know, what they may not have thought of. But what I would encourage people to do is, you know, one have a level, a high level of cultural humility you know, understanding that you are there as a learner as well, and that students have something to teach you, that you don't come in knowing everything about every child, that the best intervention you can have to accelerate student uh, learning is strong relationships with parents. You know, the respect of parents as partners in the work of educating their children. Uh, to develop relationships and, and trust with not only the students, but those who who sent them to you. Avoiding having a deficit lens about the communities that you're supposed to be serving. Having high expectations for yourself and your students. But not just telling yourself, oh, I have high expectations. I know I do. Ask your students, you know, seek their data, seek their feedback. So even if your school or your district doesn't do parental surveys or student surveys, as an educator, you should do that. You should do an equity audit in your own instruction. You should ask students of colors, how do you experience my classroom? How do you experience being a student? What does that look and feel like? You know, sometimes I know educators who've followed their students' footsteps, you know, for a day, literally pretending to be a student and following the, the, the class schedule. And unfortunately, several of the ones that I spoke to who did this type of equity audit were horrified, mortified about the experiences when sitting in the student's desk and experiencing it with with students. That should never happen, right? And so those are the things that you know we need to uh, be open about, be humble and courageous about addressing, including if we find it in our own personal practices, right? So when we look in the mirror, we should be honest because sure enough, when we're looking at our students, they'll know if we're not being honest.
0: And we're gathered here today to talk about National Board Certification and, and the Kind of pursuit of excellence in the field of education. You yourself don't have the certification, is that correct?
1: No, I don't. That regrettably, uh, you know. Uh, I, I wish I did, and and I, I think as a as a principal, it is something that I, you know, I would find extremely valuable. I would, you know, not only know with certainty that our students would benefit from having, you know, just a school full of nationally board certified teachers, but also just the profession as a whole, um, both in a micro level within our school, as well as in our school system in the city, state, as well as country. And so I I just applaud the work that the national board team does, uh, you know, on a daily, weekly and, and yearly basis to, you know elevate the profession to help teachers hone their craft um, and to push for outcomes, right? Like at the end of the day, working in the school or being a student is all about, you know, achievement, you know, and so we have to define achievement as how the educator, how the teacher is achieving as well as how the student is achieving. So these outcomes are crucial and it is organizations uh, like National Board that are leading the way in this effort.
0: As a principal, you must have had many teachers over the years into the different schools coming to you and telling you that they're considering pursuing the National Board Certification. What do you have to say to them when they tell you that they're thinking about going through this journey?
1: You know, I, I think a big part is is the supporting and the feedback loop. So the beautiful thing about getting your National Board Certification is the amount of reflection, the amount of uh, practice and uh, feedback that you accept. You know, um, it reminds me of even when I was uh, recruiting teachers to, to work, you know, hiring new teachers. One of the biggest things besides content knowledge um, and their uh, mindsets about the communities that, uh, that we were in was their coachability. Like how, how did they internalize feedback? How did they synthesize it and use it how did uh, you know, how did they view coaching and, and development, both from internally, from, you know, uh, their own agency and, and, and self-efficacy, as well as their relationship with uh, experts in the field? The better our teachers are, the better our principals are, the better our student outcomes will be.
0: So within the school setting as a principal, you're definitely recommending this certification to the teachers, to the faculty.
1: You know, the beautiful thing about it is not just at my school, you know. Um, uh, anywhere I go, I am really sharing what I believe is is one of the best ways to develop yourself, you know, and it's through the national board certification process. So it's not just within one particular school, it's, it's across our city and as well as, as nation, it is a a crucial aspect of being a constant learner and always looking to grow in our effectiveness. And
0: in terms of uh, you know equity and inclusion, do you feel like this process it can help with that for a teacher for their pedagogy for their for their for their practice?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And and what I'm hoping is that I know there's a a, a, a really strong and important campaign within National Board of Professional Teaching Standards to increase the diversity, um, to increase the levels of support, to, you know, to look at certification through an equity lens. And I've looked at the data across uh, you know, each state and you know some states are doing better than others. Some states are, are being very deliberate about, oh, this is how we're going to support more teachers of color to become nationally board certified. Um, and so when you look at things such as teacher equity, which students get the most experienced teachers, the most effective teachers, the most veteran teachers, the most uh, nationally board certified teachers, we have to look at that and see which students are getting that, which students are most in need for the highest qualified teacher. And, you know, those, those are things that we have to look deeply at and then uh, mitigate for whatever barriers are, are there and address them. You know, um, when Professor Roy says there's really no such thing as the voiceless, there are only the deliberately silenced or the preferably unheard. That can be directly applied to the students in our schools. And so if we want to get out of space and recognize that they have a voice, but are we trying to mute it and marginalize it or are we trying to uh, help them amplify it? That's a different mindset. If we view that the the solutions are within the 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 minds and experiences of the youth, then we're going to try to tap into that if we're essentially trying to be problem solvers. You know, they're closest to the problems and the solutions. And yes, we're we're gonna educate them, we're going to mentor them, we're gonna support them, but we're also gonna listen to them. We're also gonna tap into what they know and they'll help us become better because every time you look at a movement, it's been in the hands of the youth. And so we have to look at, at these opportunities as, uh, as fleeting if we continue to ignore the youth and, and don't allow them to, to share the leadership, share space. Um, and, and you know what? Sometimes we just got to get out of their way, right?
0: I do think that's right. And I think it's a perfect thought to end on. But truly, we're just scratching the surface on some of these ideas and the subject matter that we were talking about today. So lucky for you, Sharif is a part of another podcast called Eight Black Hands that you can access wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, all that. And uh, please check it out, Eight Black Hands. It'll give you a whole lot more to think about. And it's a really amazing podcast. They're up to almost 100 episodes already. So get listening. In the meantime... If you'd like to learn more about National Board Certification, please visit the website at nbpts.org. And until next time, my name is Luke Karaita signing off. Thank you so much for joining us.